1: Welcome to the Missouri Woods and Water Podcast with your hosts, Nathan and Micah. Hello, friend. For people that don't know, Nate's name is actually Nathan. Yeah. I yeah. think people have figured it out because you don't say Nate almost ever. Because that's not your name. I realize that. When did you start going by the name Nate?
2: Um, I would say late high school when people kept calling me Thomas. I'm like, that's not my name. Yeah, That's my last name. Oh, I thought it was your first name, because I think I've said this. I'm not going to say my middle name, but all three of my names could be a first, middle, or last name.
1: All three of them. I had a lot of people call me my last name, too, though. Winstead? Sc- yeah. No, like- no, not friends. People who didn't know who I was and just
2: saw like my name on a paper, uh-huh. they would say Thomas. And then college was, people just shorted it up. I mean, when I grew up, like Nate Dog, the rapper, was kind of popular. Oh, that's a real person. That's a real person, Nate Dog. He died, I think. But so a lot of people call me Nate, hmm. and you can't really confuse Nate as my last name. So that's true. People still call me Thomas all the time. Like my emails for work, my name is Nate Thomas on there. I will get a reply from somebody, and they'll be like, "I get, I hey get... Thomas." And I'm like, "What the hell?" Uh. <laughs>
1: I guess the reason I call you Nathan is because, I mean, if you think about it, since we've known each other, um, ninety, probably ninety-nine percent of the times we've had, you know, we have met, it's been with a family member, like right. family. So your entire family calls you Nathan. Your mother, yeah, my mom won't brother. Call e- everybody calls you Nathan. So that's probably why yeah. I continue to do. Oh that. yeah, my mom. I named you Nathan. Well, my brother, cool. My brother Matt. Your
2: parents named you Catherine. <laughs> yeah, and we call you Elaine. What's up with that? <laughs> so, in fact, I love giving my parents shit because both my parents go by their middle names. I know, <laughs> and they have been—they have gone by them their entire lives. Right. So I'll be like, you know what? Just keep playing that game. I'll just start calling you Kathy.
1: Yeah. <laughs> hey, Kathy.
2: Or no, I'll say Catherine. Catherine. That's what your mother named you. Yep. Yep. Dude, we had a show today.
1: We had a show, and then we had another show that we didn't record. Yeah, I mean it was just,
2: but you know, really, it wasn't one I wanted to record. But we had a really good conversation. Yeah, I'm just gonna say it, say it now. Tori's a good dude. Dude, he's awesome. Just salt of the earth. Salt of the earth.
1: I can't believe I waited that long to send him a message. Yeah, we I was just so nervous have. too. And I'm just so excited. Like the first thing he said whenever we connect and we get the thing, he's like. Micah, your team would have won. <laughs> <laughs> Which yeah, that's right. I call that's bullshit. Right. No, no, I don't. Now,
2: after talking to Tori, I'm like, e-. oh, man. He knows He knows he, coyotes, dude, bro. He knows, he knows coyotes.
1: He has probably forgotten more than we will ever know.
2: I don't know who else is on your team because I forgot about the teams, to be honest with you. I know that my first pick was John Collins. Yeah. And John, I was going to bring that up in the show, but John actually was just down with Torrey hunting with him. Last week I think it was. Oh really? Yeah. And uh I was gonna bring that up but we talked about so much that it just slipped my mind. But right. Um it was fun. Yeah, we, we talked about that a little bit. I can't remember if we recorded that or not, but we did. Yeah. Talked about it and some but, yeah. other cool stuff that uh
1: Yeah, I mean is, we talk uh obviously if you know more than likely if you hunted coyotes, you know who Tory Cook is, but he's also uh he has coyotes around him. I don't. That's I th- yeah. That would be not, a good way to put it. They're they're not his pets, but kind of his pets in a weird way. His tools. Yeah, they're his tools, and so we we talk a lot about that. And he kind of breaks down. It's just you know, so interesting, dude. Like right. I could have I could have talked about him, with that with him for three hours. Right.
2: Because I don't know of anybody else in this world. They're I'm sure they're out there. Don't yell at your speakers right now, everybody, but I'm sure they're out there. I don't personally know of anybody else in this world that could hold a coyote like he was today.
1: A wild, a wild 100% wild, no high fence coyote. Those those dogs are free to go whenever they want, and so it, it's it's pretty cool. And so he's I mean, obviously— we got, we got a buddy,
2: and I am i won't say names, but he's got a family member that raises coyote dogs. Yeah. So they got pins of coyotes. Mm-hmm. Used for training and that sort of thing, yeah. But I don't think they can even get close to those dogs. I don't know. Maybe they could. I don't know. But it's just, I. It's so interesting to me. I I, I want to ask every little question that comes to my mind like a, a five year old. you know, like Tori says. Well, you know, coyotes do this, and I want to be like the five year old five year old that goes, "Why?" Yeah, and why then he answers that? it, and then I go, "Why?" Yeah, <laughs> you know, like you just I just continue have to so many questions, questions about. Being around coyotes as intimately as he has been yeah. for the past, you know, five years or whatever. Yep. Uh, we'll and we talk, on.
1: so we talk a lot about that. And then we talk, you know, obviously pups are in the ground getting ready to be a little bit more mobile. And so we talk about early season coyote hunting. So. You mean on the ground? On the ground. In, in the, the ground. Well, they're in a the A little ground. bit of both, right? Yeah, they're All in right. the ground right now. And they're going to be working their way up. There could be some that are out walking around. But I feel like the ones around my the ones around my house are starting to get more vocal. Like the pups, I can hear the pups, which is crazy to me. Yeah. I've never been able to legit hear pups like that. Of course, we, I probably have, but I've just never paid we, attention. We could use that. We could. I know where they're at. Yeah. That's so good. we talk about that in the show and how he likes to target those. So uh, a lot of good stuff, man. You're you're really going to enjoy this episode for sure. It is. Before we do get into the show, do we have any news things going on?
2: We we have. I have seen more turkey. Now this isn't going to come out till May sixteenth, but I've seen more Seasons turkey over, in the group. Right? Yep, Scott Wilper killed another one, or Did somebody, Scott, somebody with Scott. He took somebody, I can't remember, but yeah. he sent me a video. Did, he? and uh, we've got man, one of our uh, listeners. Uh, the only his name on Instagram, I know him as Gar Spoh. I know his actual name, but I don't have it in front of me. So, congrats to that our our buddy there. Um, who else? Oh, Dan Johnson.
1: Yeah, Dan. Yeah, you had him You're gonna, on. You're going to – he'll be last week's show. Yeah, I didn't get yeah. to be here for that
2: one. <laughs> Hunted for seven minutes and killed a nice was he long like, beard. Was he just like, okay, yeah. This is oh, this yeah. He, <laughs> it's it's, like, it's, this is, it's, a, it's yeah. a funny show, and it, obviously it came out last week, but it, he's basically like, well, I'm the best turkey hunter alive. It's plain <laughs> and simple. That's awesome. <laughs> I wake up in the morning and piss excellence. Um, But I have seen more you know, turkey pictures. I haven't seen any of our MDC numbers yet.
1: I think they'll probably wait till after. Well, like the season. Ohio
2: already published numbers through like the first week of their season, uh, which I thought was interesting. You know what I'm saying? Like they've right. already and their numbers were up by like three thousand birds. Really? Um, from uh, this time last year, I guess is what I'm trying to say, and that's with dropping the two. I guess Ohio dropped it from two to one bird. Two birds to one bird from last year to this year.
1: See, I think we should do that. Honestly, if we're having turkey number problems, let's just limit it to one bird. <laughs> I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't see it. Somebody's gonna, you know, send some hate mail for that. But uh, I don't care. Oh look, look at here. Turkey reports,
2: MDC. So they actually do. Oh, but it's 2022. Yeah, it's
1: last year's. I bet they don't. I bet they wait till after the. Summer. I mean, that would make most sense. That way they have it all. Oh.
2: 2023 turkey hunting numbers all seasons. So 2023, so far, I'm assuming, there have been 39,391 total turkeys killed. 32,717 gobblers.
1: 6,321
2: Top county. Guess what the top county is, folks. Mike, uh, I should have had you guess, but it's Franklin County.
1: Aren't they usually like the one for deer
2: too. I don't know. I don't know exactly where Franklin is. I don't know either. Look That's this right. harvest by county. I'm curious what that is like from last year. Guess what? We can check. Last year. So what was it like? Thirty two thousand uh, toms. Yeah. Uh, right there. Two thousand twenty-two. Oh, I don't know how to find 2022. <laughs> You're just really screwing this up. Uh, what am I screwing up? I'm just... Uh, well, people are getting Oh, here pissed. we go. Here we go. Here we go. 2022. I'd like to... See, I mean, you can kind of use that number to see how it's just doing. Do just do spring turkey. Franklin was the top county again. That's yeah. funny. Uh, total numbers. 35. Where'd you see that? Bottom right. 35. So, 33,359 30, 33. 33, total birds last year. There's already been more than that. There's already been 6,000 more than that, and the season's not over yet. If we're looking at and that And that's right. just – well, that was just the spring season. Uh, for I don't know if that – that didn't include youth. I don't know if the 2023 numbers we're looking at right now – Or total. Includes youth season. So, take that for what it's worth. But you're talking 33 last year so far – Statewide, there's been 39,000 killed.
1: Uh-huh. Which again. is weird because I just feel like there hasn't been that many killed this year. But what do I know? Look at the map, man. Yeah. They're all it's like south. North south. Well, look at North Central, though. North Central and then like South Central, I guess you Look would at call our it. county. Yeah. Sucks. Yeah. Our county's like terrible.
2: Our county has been 189 total turkeys
1: killed. That's zero
2: that's- bearded hens.
1: Yeah, but there's also there's been 353 bearded hens turned in. So Where? You can see at the number oh, total. Yeah, I see yeah. it now. That's interesting.
2: Yeah. I need to look at that more often, man, but it's uh you know,
1: it's it's over by now. By the time you guys are hearing this, turkey season's over. Hope everybody everybody did good. Yeah, hope the people that hunted turkeys, I hope you killed a turkey. All right. Did you, you know that what? uh you know how we got drafts? There's giraffes, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, those are just horses that Chuck Norris uppercutted. <laughs> <laughs> I've been waiting for a Chuck Norris joke for a while. Dude, it has been a while. Dude, you and Andy have both kind of screwed up. We,
2: You haven't been doing Chuck Norris jokes, and Andy hasn't done any dad jokes. That's true.
1: But yeah, we've been slacking on the jokes. That was pretty good. That was pretty good. That was pretty good.
2: All right, hey, let's get into our sponsors before we get into our show with Tori. It's a long show. It's yeah, a great so. show we we'll bang these out real quick. Oh, God. All right. Uh, make sure you check out our website, MissouriWoodsandWater.com. We got shows, partner discounts, and more on there. Weber Outfitters. Excited to well, get down there. And then we're also
1: in August, they're going to have an event, and I think we're going to be there for it. I hope so, man. I really hope we can make it. So it was, it's uh, once we get more details, we'll tell you guys a little more. Yeah, detail. I don't know if
2: they've officially made the date. Right. But right now they're looking somewhere around the weekend of August 12th. Yeah. And uh, it's going to be a cool event. So uh, check them out in Hawk Point, Missouri. Awesome bow dealer, Bowtex. Um, they also yeah. sell Bowtex. Yeah, elites, all all kinds of different guys. Uh They've got Range. All kinds of cool stuff.
1: And then if you want to buy a gun, buy a gun there, man. Absolutely. So Athlon Optics, ridiculously good optics. Uh, We're going to be getting out. Actually, by the time this episode airs, we might have already been out coyote hunting. And me and you, we're going to be using our Aries. Planted likely. So I will be using my Aries. I am 100% will be. So, uh, and while we're out coyote hunting, more than likely we're going to jump on on X, and you can, you can use the code MWW20 for 20% off. Make sure you do that online and not through the app. Yep. All right, uh,
2: Huntworth Gear. I'll tell you what, man. Um, I've been <laughs> I've been working on our website, our uh-huh. uh, gear boxes, and I started with my clothing, and so I've been building out my what I use, and I've been on their website a lot, and they've got some new stuff coming out. Did you know that uh, your – you know that sw- that sweatshirt that has got the disruption pattern on it, and then it's got the brown?
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Tarnin's coming. Oh, really? Yeah. And then they've got a new pair of uh, yeah, I know the they Durham got... pants, the olive color. Yeah, I saw the olive green yeah. ones. So. so just different things I've been looking at. Uh, they've got some new stuff coming out. They're going to be coming out with a – I can't really t- – I don't think – Say too much about it, but um, they're going to be coming out with a bundle builder essentially. Oh, um, okay.
1: So you can kind of build a set or whatever. Ba- yeah, basically, it's kind of, uh, I don't remember exactly what it's called,
2: but essentially, like if you're looking for early whitetail or whatever. It gives you a suggestion of, like, this is what you should start with. Yeah. Now, this is not something that you can do. It's called a system builder. Okay. And it's not something you can do right now. They have not finished it, but they are working on it, and I think it's going to be pretty awesome because a guy like me, if I'm saying, hey, I'm going to Colorado or I'm hunting late season whitetail, essentially a system builder says these are the items that are going to work best for you. Oh, nice. Um, And then you can kind of pick through there. So that'd be pretty cool. Check them out. Huntworthgear.com. Alps Outdoors. I got a product spotlight for Alps Outdoors today. Oh, yeah? I want to start doing more of those for our partners. Kind of, you know. Making little
1: videos, little snippets.
2: Well, not so so much videos, but, you know, kind of talking about, like, one thing that we, you know, like. And I actually got the idea from you, and then I got it. Their Ghost 20-pack.
1: Oh, dude, I I love mine. Sitting
2: right there on my pool table right now. Mine I use for... uh, it has nothing to do with hunting. I don't use it for hunting, right? But it's such a convenient pack for
1: for what I'm using for. I use it for our podcast. My, my podcast stuff. Yeah. Like so, I have my laptop, my headphones, my Zoom, all the stuff that I use to record a podcast on for myself. Yeah. I can keep in that bag comfortably, organized, and everything. So that
2: ghost pack is an EDC pack, so you can also conceal carry in it, right? Uh, it's got a you know different compartments for that. It's uh it's really well thought out. I'm a really big fan of that pack. Yep, yep that's uh, awesome. I just wanted to throw that out there. Alps Outdoors. Use our code 2023 WoodsWater. Water 30% off. Zamberland boots. Got some boots on our way. Uh, I got some work boots coming.
1: See, and I got some tennis shoes coming that I'm excited about. Like, I already have the Salates, mm-hmm. but they also have like more of a, like a tennis shoe running. Did you order those? Yeah, I ordered uh, those. Nice. So
2: I got a pair of work boots that. I'm hoping that they'll double as I can wear them for work and then also if like we went out to a restaurant or for like church. Just like a nice pair They would look nice enough that I could get by with it. Mm -hmm. No, I got you. So. Nice. Pretty excited about that. Check them out. zammerlandusa.com. Habitat Works. Give our boy Dustin a call. 816-752-7390. Shoot him an email. HabitatWorksLLC at gmail.com. Just talked to Dustin yesterday actually. Oh yeah. Um, He was driving through and was talking about some public land and he made me feel bad did he yeah why because we got to talking and i should have this winter been out at the public grounds i'm thinking about hunting next year yeah if my land issues continue and i didn't <laughs> and now it's you know may and he's like i mean i you can still do it he's like hey you, you give me a call when you go i'll go with you right and I'm like, why did I not
1: scout those things when there were no? Because we were too busy hunting coyotes and doing everything else.
2: But I've got a handful of them picked out within an hour of me right. that I'd like to check out. And uh, he just kind of made me think of. He didn't. He didn't specifically make me feel bad, but talking about it made me feel bad. <laughs> yeah, like oh, I, effed up. I I effed up. I should have got this done. Yep. But uh, check our buddy Dustin out. We're going to be doing a show with him coming up about uh, summer burning. Okay cool. Yep. Uh who have
1: we forgot? Black Camo, Ovis. Yeah. Camo Fire, Black Ovis. For Black Ovis, use the code MWW10, 10% off. So. And then Camo Fire, their sister company. Rotating door of deals. We're not going to look on it today.
2: No, not today, but you know, Black Ovis um they got some new logo gear out by the way. Talk speak we talk about this after the show with uh
1: yeah, but logos. With
2: Tori. Tori's got a badass logo. MFK Game Calls, my opinion, is a badass logo. Yeah. Black Another Ovis,
1: badass logo. One of the top ones.
2: And they've got some really cool logo gear yep. that uh, our, our buddy over there at uh, Black Ovis sent to us. Mm-hmm. And uh,
1: I'm going to wear them proudly. Heck yeah. I've already worn two of the shirts. So Mine are still cool. sitting in my office in the packaging. Nice. <laughs> got to get them out. I so. uh,
2: bet th- I think that's the sponsors for today.
1: Uh, I think so.
2: Yeah, so check them out, and um, you just want to get into today's show with Tory
1: Cook. Let's do it, man. It's really good information here. So take out your pen and paper and do what with it? Write down some notes. I don't know. Cool. Just something to think about. You know, what they could do also is just go back into the podcast and listen, watch to it again. It. Yeah, that's a good idea. Watch what?
2: Listen again. All right, I'm getting uh, argumentative, so I should stop. All right. You this know? is the Missouri Woods and Water. Let's podcast. do that. All right. See you. Okay, with us tonight, we got one that is a little bit in the making. I'll be honest, I was a little nervous to reach out to the guy, but we finally got Mr. MFK, game calls himself Tory Cook on the show. Tori, what's going on, man?
3: Oh, man.
1: Glad to be here. You, you
2: appreciate
3: picked, y'all having me out.
1: You picked the right hoodie for tonight's episode cuz that's <laughs> a, I mean, <laughs> the legend. Yeah, the legend. <laughs> so, yeah. That works
3: out yeah. well. Well. <laughs>
1: Before
2: we recorded, I gotta give Micah unplanned, unplanned, <laughs> yeah. I gotta give Micah a little bit of a a pat on the back before we recorded. Uh, Tori listened to our Coyote Draft episode, which was a lot of fun, right? And reminded all the listeners out there was just for fun. Uh, we weren't trying to like piss anybody off or nothing like that. But Tori thinks his team would win. He's a smart man.
3: <laughs> Un- unbiased. I just, unbiased. I just thought Mike had the best team. Thank you. I get it. I get it. it might, I, thought, I thought
2: I did too. It but. might be because Tori's on your team, <laughs> but it don't matter. Yeah, it now, was, it was, that was
3: a lot of fun. I, I got a kick out of listening to it, and I think most most people would get a kick out of it, y'all. I mean, it was fun. Fun deal.
2: It was. We've done a um, – your episode will be, I think, 158. So we've been running now for <clears throat> over three years. And that was probably, honestly, one of the most it fun was, shows it, I've It was
1: done. a really good time. We'll have to do it again during deer season and do it with oh, deer, deer hunters. <laughs> you know, <laughs> there's just so many of them out there. That'd be, you know, that'd be hard to You really want from. to piss people off. Yeah, that, that, that'll that definitely bring <laughs> out some, you know, pissed off people. But that's all right. That's what we're here for, right, sometimes.
3: I
2: guess. <laughs>
1: but it was a lot of fun.
3: They make everybody happy.
1: That's right.
2: It was a lot of fun. But, you know, if – Obviously, if, if y'all listen to the show and, and you're interested in coyotes, you should know who Tory Cook is, but Tory Cook is the owner of MFK Game Calls. Tory, why don't you give everybody just a quick rundown of who you are and what MFK Game Calls are before we get into uh, today's fun topic.
3: Well, Tory Cook, like you said, I live in southeast Arkansas. I was born in a little town called Goat and now I live in a town called Johnsville. I'm 17 miles from the nearest Actual town. So I live in the middle of nowhere with, with my wife, three kids, grandson. Uh, my wife's name is also Tori Lynn. She helps me. Uh, we run MFK together and it's a game call company primarily focused on predators. We do turkeys, deer, elk, all that, but the primary focus and what we're known for is the cow predator related calls, making diaphragms and uh, course recording all the live goat sounds that uh people can use on the fox pro calls we partnered with them and uh that's my daily deal
2: i'll give you a quick plug because i told the guy i was getting ready to buy an x24 uh and me and Micah ran into big al morris at ata this year and big al showed right. us the new x48 coming out and yeah. i was just about at that time to to buy an x24 we had just heard around that time when you partnered up with uh fox pro and started selling the calls and those and that sorts of thing but then he told us about the x48 and i said i'll wait till july yeah we'll just wait till the new <laughs> I'll, I'll wait out. for i'll wait for a few months and uh, then i'll get with Tori yeah. and get that x48 because uh, what i'm yeah. excited about and what people should really listen to on this um you know you can buy a fox pro game call anywhere obviously but what's cool about you know buying one from MFK is when you buy a game uh, a Fox Pro e-caller it comes loaded with several of what like 100 or so or something like that
1: I think you get different
2: packages different, right right um different of your sounds as well
3: that, right yeah it'll come with Fox Pro and the standard package the basic package will come with 100 MFK sounds as well and then if you call people can call and custom order and get fully loaded units or Customize their sound list, whatever they want to do.
2: Yeah, I'm just gonna be like, hey, all of them. You just stick them on there, slap them on there, just, <laughs> <slap them laughs> on there. <laughs> just yeah, just throw them on there. But uh, yeah, so that's what's pretty cool about what uh, you know, Tori and the uh, the partnership with Fox Pro has uh has done is you can get an awesome call and then also extra sounds on top of it, which is really cool. Uh, I've been running a Shockwave for how many years now? It's been quite a few years, and I've always liked it, but I'm ready to move on to that.
1: You always got you always got to tinker with something, right? Yeah, you always got to upgrade right. or nothing wrong. Like we said, nothing wrong with it. And we could put the Tory Cook sounds on that one, but yep. uh, why not go ahead and get that new one? That's
3: what well, <laughs> that Shockwave is a really good unit and has been for years. But those X Series calls are next level. A yeah. lot more volume, of course, twenty four bit audio. They're they're good stuff. They're, yeah,
1: they're easy to pack around too. A lot easier, I yes. feel like. I agree. Yeah. My, my Shockwave. That's the been the, my
2: biggest complaint about my shockwave is getting it in my pack. You know. Even uh you know, the other company we won't talk about right now, um, some of their larger calls are easier to pack around than that shockwave just with the configuration of the pack and everything. And I'm right. I'm excited about, you know, the X forty eight or the twenty four and that, for that matter. Especially even if you didn't have it in the pack, you're just carrying it like it's you know, got a handle. It's just uh really easy to move around too. But um Yeah. I was gonna say something else and I already forgot, but so that that's MFK Game Calls. How did you – I don't know. How did this get started? So for people that don't know, Tori, also, what's your setup down there? Oh, I know what I was going to tell you. Let me back up. <laughs> oh my I can, I can edit <laughs> that out. Uh, I got a buddy. You you said you grew up in a little town called whatever the hell Goat, you said. Goatneck? Goatneck. Goatneck. I got a goat-neck. buddy that grew up in Evening Shade, Arkansas.
3: Yeah. I'm familiar with it.
2: Yeah, isn't that where they, where they had a – they had a uh, show Burt Reynolds
3: was in, based yeah. off that town. I I'm, think I think that's right. We've got a lot of weird names in Arkansas. There's Bald Knob and and Rector and all those places, and they're right there stacked on top of each other. And those made the Beefus and Budhead movie. Yeah, uh, of course. Uh, I'm sure you know where they went with Bald Knob and all that kind of stuff. So.
2: Right. Uh, hey, <laughs> we got a we got a tight wad. Yeah, we do have a tight wad. We have a tight wad and some other funny yeah. names. But, uh, Sometimes
3: I wonder the history on some of these towns. Uh, <laughs> there's probably some funny backstory yeah. to a lot of them.
2: Yeah, the town we grew up in actually, we grew up in the same town. Uh, back in the
1: day, it was called Lick Skillet. Yeah, and then they they changed it finally to yeah, Oak Grove years so. ago, but years yeah. later. But every, the original name was Lick Skillet. Yeah, and every year we got yeah. like a little fair or whatever you want to call it, and Lick Skillet Days. Yeah, so
3: that's more memorable that's easier to remember right so it's hard to forget that's know, what i'm saying i don't know why I'm we changed
2: saying. it <laughs> yeah but uh if so anyways for people who don't kind of really know Tori also a lot of the sounds well probably all the sounds that you record you're recording your own coyotes right a lot i'm assuming yeah. most of the time how did that yeah, come now about
3: for the just wanting to once I got into the the sound the industry I guess a lot of people would say once I got into that I was already building you know the diaphragms and we were starting to record some sounds as well because it's good to match the diaphragms with the e-calls and just have the best of both worlds combining those as a big plus and I wanted to branch into that and so we started recording early on I was recording just whatever I could get my hands on, you know, maybe we shot and crippled a coat, and I'd get some sounds or I'd catch something and get some sounds, but they were random, few and far between. Background noise, just different things. They weren't the quality that I wanted, but it, it piqued my interest. So I started, you know, looking for an opportunity to get my hands on some, some little coats. And it just so happened. That's, that's what happened. And it was pretty quick. I was able to get, uh, kill the adults, found the pups, dug them up. They still had their eyes closed. And so I looked at everything else that all the other libraries had. I wanted something a little different. So, and I didn't know if this would work early on, Mm -hmm. but I wanted to raise the coats as if they were wild, you know, and, and mimic that as close as I could. So like I told y'all earlier, I'm 17 miles from the nearest town. We've got a good bit of family ground. And then I've got two leases that, over 20,000 acres combined that's just right here around the house. So plenty of ground to work with. So we dug a a den and just a makeshift den to mimic a coat den in the woods behind our house. And uh, pretty well between my wife and I, she was early on, she probably had more to do with it than I did because she was the one that was feeding them all hours of the night, Mm -hmm. you know, doing that woman work and uh, (laughs) taking care of the kids, you know, that kind of deal. Oh, wow. <laughs> when when did yeah. this start? Like, like what year?
1: What year was this? Like when did you start having pups?
3: I am terrible with remembering stuff like that, but it was approximately. I think I'm going into my fifth year. Okay, oh, so it wasn't that long ago? That, then, really? What? No, it hadn't been that terrible long. I think the earliest ones were five. They'll be five years old. So how many um,
2: pups? How many pups, how many right pups did you come home with right then? And like, how did that go? Did they all make it? Uh, what, yeah. what was that like?
3: Three original pups from that den and then I got one more uh that was from a separate den that was a little bit older and so I started out with four the four original coats were Rue, Boone, Smack and Jiggy and those were the four originals that got me started and those were the ones that I spent the most time with Jiggy was that oddball pup and she was always pretty wild um she, I didn't get a whole lot of recordings from her. And she left probably – I don't even – probably she might have made it to a year, maybe a little older than a year, and she left. And I hadn't seen her since.
1: Really?
3: Um But the other three, I got them when their eyes were open. I didn't get jiggy until her eyes were open. And it just doesn't work the same if their eyes are open. And so the way we went about it without – given my competition too much information, (laughs) we basically lived with those goats. I mean, I spent more time with those goats than I did in my own house for that for a full year. And then daily after that. And I haven't spent as much time with the ones since. uh, So I don't know if they'll stay around as long. So far I've, I've had some come and go. They'll usually stay till about a year. And I've got some that are still here at five years old. Um, so it just depends on the cow and how much time you spend with them, and you know some other factors with food and stuff like that. That right. That's the key to keeping them around, and they've got plenty of ground.
1: Right. Um, they can go out and but, do their own thing.
3: Yeah, but there's no guarantees with them. I had one that I raised uh, this past summer, and free range, and she got shot um, by. Somebody else, she got too close to some cows and got shot. But it did not kill her. She got shot twice and made it back. And I I ended up running across a blood trail. I knew where they bedded up at, the thicket they usually stayed in, uh-huh. and found the blood trail and found her in a top. And it's just a testament to how tough they really are because her esophagus, this was my theory on what happened. I think they tried to shoot her in the head to begin with, and they hit her right under the jaw. Blew a big chunk out, and you could see her esophagus. And then it looked like they probably shot at her as she ran away. And she had a big blaze stripe that opened up her skin, mm-hmm. but it didn't get into her, her ribs were exposed, but it wasn't inside the chest cavity. And she would eat like she didn't even know that that esophagus you could watch the food going down her throat. Oh, and man. in just a few quick weeks, it all healed up. Oh, she, she lived. Oh yeah, she lived. Damn. Yeah, yeah, she lived, and you wouldn't know it. I mean, she's got a slick spot under her chin, mm-hmm. but other than that, you wouldn't know it.
2: They they really so, are. I mean, a lot of you know people you see them on videos all the time shooting. You just roll them up, and you think they're you know an easy kill, but man, I've yeah. if you hunt coyotes long enough, you will see. Uh, you know, I never – I actually – my brother-in-law, Russell, he'll probably hate me telling this story, but me and him were – just me and him were thermal hunting this last season in Missouri, and we had two come in, and the only shot one of them gave us was about 120 yards looking just just its face. And I said, right. I, can make, I can make that shot. And so I shot it and dropped it. We're like, look at that. And then we tried to get on the other one. It got through the thicket, and we couldn't get it we get up to this coyote and it was just crawling around 90% of its face gone you know the picture yeah, yeah. and russell's like i can't believe this thing this is a horror movie i can't believe this thing's still alive <laughs> and that i've never seen that guy with more compassion in his life he's like i got to i got to do it. we've got to i'm like yeah, oh yeah, yeah let's yeah. let's finish this <laughs> right you don't yeah. want him to suffer <laughs> point blank shoots it again and it takes it like forty-five seconds to die. Yeah, they're tough. It just tough, sat there, man. and like he's like, "Oh my god, I can't handle this, man." <laughs> and it was a, it <laughs> yes. was a young female. I mean, she wasn't even big. I mean, it, she just was so tough. And I mean, you don't want it to go like that. Obviously, you want them to right. die in two seconds. But unfortunately, but it
3: happens. as part of it. You just get them as, finish them off quick as possible.
2: Yeah, uh, I've
3: got another one. I've recorded. I've been recording it for the past year. They're about to be a year. Well, they are a year old, just turned a year old. And her name is Flip Flop. It's female. Her name's Flip Flop. She got her name because when she was born, my wife and I realized something was wrong with her legs. It wasn't very obvious at first they worked, but she was kind of not needed in, in the back legs, both back legs. And then as she grew, those legs just never worked right. And she would flip flop back and forth or, or from side to side, her hams would hit the ground on each oh. side. And then over the course of the next few weeks, I thought she was going to get out of it. I thought she would, you know, be able to walk and maneuver, but they ended up with the joints and them locked stiff. So both of her back legs are locked stiff and it's like they have no, they're like paralyzed and locked. And it done that pretty much overnight. One of them done it, and then the next day it was like that. And I mean, you can't – anyway, over the course of the next few weeks, I thought, well, you know, I don't even know if she'll make it. But she has learned to walk. She can walk and run on two legs. She'll pick herself up. You can tell she tenses up. You know, it'd be like flexing with your abs almost. Mm-hmm. She'll tense up and pick that back end up off the ground and have those two back legs – either sticking out to the side or run between her front legs. And she's just running on her front legs and she's pretty dang fast. Wow. And you, other than that, you wouldn't know anything was wrong with, her. Um, she, uh, so she now the still, other ones,
1: she can still get out there and hunt and do everything that coyotes oh yeah. do. Wow. That's, that's so crazy.
3: The other pups whooped her down immediately. You know how animals are when right. one of them's hurt or crippled, they'll take advantage of it. So they whooped her down and pushed her out immediately Um, or as soon as she wasn't functioning right, they kind of whooped her down. And so she's always isolated, keeps to herself, stays away from the rest of them. But, uh, yeah, she's uh, (laughs) – it's amazing what they can do.
2: Oh, you see it all – I mean, you hunt long enough, you'll find one with three legs or, you know, a leg blown off or whatever, and it's just – it's running like that leg is still there. Uh, What was the one we saw? It might have been John. No, Blake. Uh, Blake Garrett. That's right. Just did a video and – that coyote was running in like it had all four legs. You would not have known it had only had three legs. Yeah. But it it didn't. It was just boom, 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 just as fast as the rest of them. And I'm just like, man, that, you know, if that happened to one of us, we'd be like, we'd be done.
3: <laughs> Pull the plug. <laughs> I'm done. John, John killed, you mentioned John. He killed one that is one of the best examples of how, what survivors they are. He killed one that had that whole bottom jaw missing. Yeah, that's and right. I do. It's on that. one of the videos. Yep. That whole bottom jaw is gone, and that coyote is still. Not only was it surviving, is in good shape. Yeah, I remember and, seeing you that. Know, <laughs> well, heck, I don't it, know what they're. was They're ran- out there
1: licking. Yeah, and wasn't didn't Randy Anderson kill one that was blind? Uh, yeah.
2: No, who, who was it just recently that killed one that didn't have any eyes? Yeah, it was, I'm pretty sure it was Randy.
3: I, I heard about that, but I don't remember who killed it. I want it to was say just it, the last few I weeks. I want to that, say it was Randy. That
2: pisses me off that I'm not going to remember. But, yeah, somebody uh, just recently killed one that it didn't have any eyes. Not yeah. not blind. It, it never had eyes. Right. How that thing is still alive to this day and an adult is beyond me. But uh, So that that's something I didn't know. I actually thought like they were in a pen, like you had them like a pack of dogs, you, you know, or breeding dogs. I didn't realize that they're basically just wild coyotes that.
3: Yeah. Yeah. They're free range. We have, we've pinned some, we've tried everything, you know, I've, I've done it all. Mm-hmm. And the reason I wanted to do the free range deal and record them that way is because for one, nothing like that's been done. No, other you know, other than random sounds that people will get in the wild, mm-hmm. there's, there's not any free range coats that people are recording and it just changes. It changes the dynamic of, and the type of sounds that you get. So if you put coats in, you know, a kennel or a pen or something like that, then their structure changes, their pecking order changes. So you can get fights and you can get a lot of good sounds. And, and like I said, they are good sounds. You can get a lot of good sounds that way, but there are certain sounds that you can't get because That pecking order and stuff like that, that's unforced sounds where two cows, if you put pinned cows together, you've got a cow in one pin and a cow in another pin, and you put them in the same pin where one of them can't get away, then they're going to fight. You know, one of them's submissive, one of them's dominant, but you get that that part of it is pretty well already established. You don't, what you're missing is when two cows come together. When they're running loose, when they come together and they both want to fight from the get go, and then some of those other social interaction sounds I call them, Mm
1: -hmm. and
3: just stuff that's peck and order type stuff that changes and cows can come and go as they please. You just get different sounds that are that are truly natural. You know, there's no manipulation with putting cows in a confined area and you know, causing certain sounds to take place. So I wanted to do that because it it separated my library from everybody else's having the ability. And then of course I documented every bit of it along the way with video so that people could see, Hey, these coats are, you know, just doing their thing and I'm recording them at two or three feet. And not only did we get a lot of good audio from it, but just got a ton of behavioral, stuff from them and got to learn i got to learn so much in those first couple years and i'm still learning that completely changed my way of thinking about what couch do and some of the stuff that had been put out and what you typically would read in magazines and on forums and in books and some of the older videos before before i started raising these couches and documenting what they really do there was a lot of stuff that was put out to us as predator hunters, predator callers that just is not true. And it makes, it makes the calling more difficult too. like, for example, I say it on just about every podcast that, that people talk to me on. One of the main things that I learned right off the bat is that the type of how that you're using is not that big a deal. You're just a strange cow. When you howl, doesn't matter if it's male, how female, how, how old or young it is. It's just a strange coat to those, to whatever coats you're calling. And there was a lot of bad information put out, not necessarily bad information. I think it was true for the way they were applying it. It just didn't hold true for when we're calling coats. So if you go do a, a lot of these studies and where I think a lot of this information came from, if they're doing a study in Yellowstone or somewhere like that, and they're studying these resident cows, all of those coats are known coats. They, they already have an established pecking order. And that's the key to it. That established pecking order, then yes, you're going to have cows that not only recognize each other, but they also recognize each other's howls. So that pecking order is established. And when one of them vocalizes or they come in contact that rank is there. So if if the big dominant male code is howling or, you know, doing his thing, then yes, some of them are going to submit to that. And it carried over to the calling side of it where it differs and where that doesn't hold true is those resident codes that know each other are not scared of strange codes because they've, they've established a pecking order amongst known codes. But this strange coat that howls when we run our call, or if it just comes in, you know, a, a transient coat that comes in. All of those coats, from the most subordinate coat in that resident group, still thinks it can whoop that strange coat. No shit. And so, it's just like it's just like yard dogs, or or any other animals. If you take if you take a block of chickens and you've got the biggest, baddest rooster, you can throw a, a rooster from somewhere else in, and they'll jump on each other, and so will that that bottom, you know, the one at the, the bottom of the food chain, the lowest pecking order, mm-hmm. those, the, the strange one, the new chicken, or cow, or dog, or bull, or whatever, when you put them together, it doesn't matter their rank anymore, because they haven't fought, and that pecking order had not been established, so... So, when,
1: they're, they're trying to come up with a new pecking order type thing. Or, right. Or, like, right. I mean, do coyotes try to kill each other? Is that, like, a thing? Or are they just saying, hey, you're new here. You, We're going to figure out who's top dog.
3: Yeah, that's – they are fighting with bad intentions. Like, they want to kill each other. Mm-hmm. It usually doesn't get that far because, you know, one of them is going to submit and, and get out of there, you know, and run away. And once they do that, usually that ends the fight. Mm-hmm. Just like just like yard dogs, if you've got, you know, regardless of the size of the dogs or anything like that, when you have new dogs that come together and, until they establish rank, especially on those, you know, you've got those little sissy breeds that may not do that. But if you've got a real dog, you know, they are they're going to fight until pecking order is is established. And then once that pecking order is established. Then they show, you know, respect to whichever one ranks higher. The coats are the same way. So when we're calling the coats, and I learned this from testing sounds, introducing strange coats to resident coats, you know, uh, some that I've raised in one spot and then they are in another spot. You can take the most dominant coat out of this group and the most submissive coat out of the other group, and they'll lock up, you know, to see who's how that pecking order falls. So when, when we're howling at cows or using howls on our remote, it makes it a lot easier because it opens the library up to where you can use whatever howls you wanna you wanna use. It, it doesn't have to be that young female howl. A lot of times, some of my best howls, like those Boone Lone Wine howls, that are so popular. He at the time those were recorded, he was the dominant cow in the group, and those howls call everything from tiny little pups that still have milk on their lips all the way up to the females and oldest males of the group you know they don't they don't know that he's the the dominant he's just a stranger he's just a strange guy i mean i get it's very
2: similar to us as humans if you think about it like okay you got a group of your buddies real buddies buddies that would fight for you you know just like a coyote and you guys all know who the big guy is, the best guy. In our situation, Tory would be, you know, the big <laughs> dude. And, uh, you know, we, we got our, our group here, right? And we know who's right. who. But if some ex- outside guy walked in the house and said, I want to fight all you, it'd be all three of us on him. Not worried about, is he the biggest and baddest dude in his crew or what right. It makes, I mean, it, it makes a lot of it sense. Lot of course, of sense. You, you got some friends that would bolt. Sure. You know I might come back in and kick yeah. him after he's down. After Toy kicks <laughs> and, his ass, I'll kick him when he's down. But.
3: <laughs> and the thing that animals don't typically do that humans do, you know, we'll size each other up. We'll look at each other and we'll say, well, that guy looks like he's probably a handful. Mm-hmm. Cows don't do that. You can have a coat that outweighs the other one, or just like the bulldog, the big bulldog jumping on the tiny chihuahua or the chihuahua jumping on the big bulldog. You know, the the little dog thinks he's big and bad and doesn't size up the other one and know that he's fixing to get whooped, where, you know, humans sometimes are smart enough to know better.
2: (laughs) Right. I'll back away here. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. I mean, if you you think about it, I mean, you're one of the few people in the world that get to be that close to basically a wild coyote. Um, I mean, we're recording with you on May 3rd. And you actually posted a picture today. I forget her name. Um, this morning, uh, shortcake. Shortcake. Uh, seems like there was a squirrel in a tree, and you were. Sit- I mean, you're sitting there, basically holding her. Yeah. And there's about five people in this entire world. I can think of probably get to do that. Right. And this- so you get to see. <laughs> you get to coming. see. Like I-, I, I think of all these questions now. Like, have you ever been with your coyotes when? a strange coyote has howled in the distance. Oh, yeah. What do they do? Do they they just like perk up and look or do they immediately bolt? Like what have you seen them do when they get stimulated by something on the outside?
3: It depends on the distance those coyotes are. So Uh those coyotes are like right here. I, I hear this all the time. This is a regular, regular deal. If those coyotes are far enough away, they really don't even acknowledge it. A lot of times they don't even howl back. But if they're close enough, if they're getting up there towards too close for comfort, mm-hmm. you'll hear those those truly wild coats, they'll howl. And then my coats a lot of times will answer back. And that's usually all it is. It's just like when we're locating coats, if you know, if we howl and other coats howl and we don't close distance and they're a pretty good ways away and you don't make any other sounds, they just go back to doing their their thing. It's pretty much a I mean I don't know what coach are necessarily saying, but I think it's just a hey, this this is our stuff, this is where we are. They announce their presence over here. Mm-hmm. And unless somebody crosses the line, that's all there is to it. I've never seen a coat and bolt and run from another coat howling or anything Yes, I have seen resident coats or known coats, family members where pups and adults will do this when one of them a more submissive cow will start to howl and this goes back to what we were talking about before where the couch are known and where i think some of those studies came into play you'll see those submissive goats try to howl and those other pups will jump on them you know the more dominant cow will try to keep that cow from howling and they usually just cower and maybe get out of the way and they don't run off and and do the stuff that People think they do. If coats are, now that doesn't mean they're going to come every time you howl, but if you, I've had people ask me about, you know, well, I was watching it with thermal and we howled and they left the field. Typically that's the same thing will happen when you play prey distress or something like that. Sometimes goats just don't, they're not convinced with the scenario or they don't like the setup or they're pressured or, you know, there's a million different things it could be but I, I don't think it's because that how scared them and they're running because they're scared another cow's about to whoop them I, I think that that pretty much only happens I, I don't think that really happens at all but the only time that they're scared of another coat is when they know that cow it has to be a, a known resident coat, family member something that's already whooped them and you know and you see that same deal with with a lot of other animals, deer, uh, yeah. everything else. You know, when they're in bachelor groups, they establish as they bust up, they, and then you will see. But if a strange deer comes in there, one of them that's scared of the, the main buck, he'll still fight with, you know, a, a, a new buck. Yeah. So I think the cow deal works. That pecking order deal with animals pretty much works like that across the board.
2: And when you're hunting at pretty much zero – at pretty much no point in time will you ever be a known coyote to coyote you're calling. Unless – Right. Sorry. Unless I'm down in southeast Arkansas using one of the MFK sounds. <laughs> right. Yeah. But, you know, like, you'll never <laughs> – I'll never be a known coyote. So I'm always going to be one of those outsiders. One thing I've always thought of is, uh, like, that, that property we had the depredation tag on this year. Mm-hmm. Like, we hunted it enough this last year – on a depredation tag, and then during thermal season, that we really started feeling like there was a boundary line on this farm. Now, yeah. I don't know how it all works, but we we started going. We're not going gonna kill these coyotes here. We have got to go further and risk getting busted, but they will not cross this fence. And we watched it how many there, times there, there where is, they would like they would come and be then
1: just four dogs on the outside of this fence and they would just trace back and forth. It wasn't a woven wire or nothing. It was just, you yeah. know, barbed regular wire. fence, yep. barbed wire. Any, anybody could get through it, but for whatever right. reason, they would not cross it at all. And, and we started thinking that that was, you know, a, a we, we, t- well, we talked to big owl and he was, true. Yeah. he was thinking that he's like, it could just be a border and they're not going to. Cause we did yeah. like the first night we killed the dog out of it, but it was behind that fence. No, it wasn't. It was, I'm a different to think where it was a different one. Yeah, it was a difference. And then the next, we went a few nights later, killed another dog. And then after that, the so we could have actually killed the resident dogs, and then the other two, the other four that we saw out there could have been just on the outside. That we just couldn't get them to commit. Maybe we were yeah. playing the wrong stuff, you know, and we just didn't tickle their fancy. But I mean, we threw everything, everything at them, and it just didn't work. So yeah.
2: we're and thinking, we, we remember. Distance. We remember one night that uh, Micah was talking about, we had five, six of them. Six in a field. Every time I would call, and I, it's not like I was doing this every minute, but I would call, and they would, re- they would reply, get all worked up, start moving in on us, and then get to that fence, and then just stop and then go back to what they were doing. Like, we didn't do yeah. anything. And we'd watch them for another 15 minutes just in the field, effing around, and then I'd yeah. do something, and boom, they'd – They'd reply, get all agitated, come to that fence line, stop. Yeah, and I'm just like, that's
3: that's. (laughs) It was it was one. It it was crazy, and sometimes, sometimes there's not anything obvious there, like a fence or an edge or something, but distance in general plays a plays a huge role. I think distance from the coats is as important, probably more important than the sounds that we play, Mm -hmm. because those coats will just like we were talking about earlier, when if you howl or, you know, or strange codes howl or whatever, and they answer and you don't move towards them, sometimes they'll, they're content to cuss you out, hold their ground. And as long as you don't move any closer, doesn't matter what you play, they'll stay wherever they're at. They're comfortable with that distance. You can move just sometimes it may not be I have it happen all the time. We may we may not move but 30, 40, 50 yards, whatever we can get by with without feeling like we're going to bump them. And that little bit of pressure that you put by moving towards them a little is all, all it takes. And then you can play the same sound that they wouldn't come to or that maybe they only howled back at. You can play those same sounds and they'll run over you cause of the distance change hmm. and sometimes you sometimes you have to move multiple times to get inside that imaginary line boundary whatever it is with them that you walked into the front door finally up.
2: yeah i can see what yeah. you mean well and we did move that night we just uh, must have gotten busted it was really it was really cold outside and so it was the ground was hard and yeah, we, we weren't be, the quietest being, it was being kind of loud <laughs> yeah so we did move but then I think we moved too much, like you were saying. Maybe if we would have just moved a sixty bit. yards, you know, up that fence line at first, seeing what happens. But I mean, it was it was one of the on. We didn't kill a dog that night, but it was one of the coolest hunts that we had been on, just yeah. because you know we saw six coyotes for forty five minutes. Yeah, just watching them out there, I mean, just the field. watching them do their thing. One of them had three legs, we could tell. I mean, it was yeah. it was really cool. It's just you know we got to see that from a distance. Whereas, I mean, you're, you're living it and it's just so cool to, you know, I, I, it's gotta be really cool to be able to understand these animals better than 99.99% of the population in this world because. Oh, it's
3: been, it, it's been an amazing eye opening experience, you know, having them and, and being able to learn from them. Um, uh, you learn so much about their behavior throughout different times of the year, changing times of the year that, and I, I put a lot of this out there on the videos and with these podcasts and stuff, because I like to see people have success with the sounds. And, and, you know, when you, when you figure out their, how their behavior changes with different times of the year and how drastic that change can be from, you know, almost one month to just a, uh, a couple of weeks or a month later, Mm -hmm. how big a change takes place with some of that. Like pups coming, we're getting ready for pups to come out of the ground before long. That's a big change. I mean, where you go from slow vocals or no vocals to everything's going to be howling. They'll be howling in the daytime, and it's almost like a light switch uh, going from denning pups in the ground to actually pup rearing where those pups are out of the ground. And then you'll transition from that Another major change is when family bust-up takes place at the tail end of of summer and into fall. That's another big event that changes, and, you know, the sequences that you use will change. And, of course, from there you go into pairing and breeding, and then that changes again when they roll back into denning. And so you've got those major events that take place throughout the year that – I didn't know, you know, how, how big a deal that was until I got to live with and watch goats day in and day out and do it from their point of view. It's fun to sit there and, you know, from a calling standpoint and learning about how they trigger on different sounds and how they work a call. You know, we're always the hunter behind the call, watching the cow come in. And we don't know what happens from the time that cow hears the call until he gets into view. So we don't know, you know, when that sound hits his ears, what did he do? You know, did he listen to it for five minutes? Did he jump up and run? Did he circle? You know, what did he do? And being able to watch, you know, I can put that call out. They don't know where it's at. Don't know anything's going on. I've got the remote with me. And I can go right in the middle of these out and they're just doing their thing. They may be laying around, doing whatever. And then all of a sudden, that sound comes on from however far I've got that call set away from me. And I've even done it, too, where I've had, you know, to get more distance. I've had my wife or somebody else run the call from a distance, you know, so that I could get more range between uh, me and the couch, you know, getting into that Mm 400-yard range plus and get to watch, you know, right from the time that sound comes on. What do they do? You know, and, and getting to learn about that. And I, from doing that, I learned a lot about different coat personalities. You know, a lot of that's been uh, been put out on deer, on whitetail deer, and the different personalities with different bucks. That same holds true with coats. So you've got some coats that are really aggressive, that when they hear it, they're going to jump up and tear out and, and leave the rest of them standing there and they're going to run over the call and you shoot that cow and you may or may not call these other ones in. And then you'll have some of them that are more little B. I use her as an example a lot. That's one of my more popular coats that uh, she's, she's a dominant female. And so she's pretty aggressive. She's a, she's an aggressive cow towards other cows, but she's very skittish and I guess suspicious would be a good word. When she, anything that she does, whether it's sound related or approaching, you know, something, food or whatever, she's very cautious, suspicious, methodical. She's going to circle. She's always going to put her nose on something before she goes to it. I mean, you can, I can take scraps out there and dump it out on the ground and she knows exactly what it is. The other ones will run in there and as fast as they can get there to try to beat the other ones. She's more standoffish. And even though she knows and has played the game every day, her whole life, she's going to put her nose on it by circling to the downwind side of that same thing on the sounds. When I play those sounds, she's a coach that you're probably not going to kill because she either doesn't come to the call. She'll stand back and listen, or as she goes to it, she's going to circle and she wants to put her nose on it and, just figure everything out with her nose before she commits. And then some of she's an extreme on one end where those hard chargers are an extreme on the other end, like, like the couch shortcake or stanky, some of those they're hard chargers. They're really aggressive. And they're soon as they hear the sound, they're running to it. Those
1: and are then they-
3: you've got coats that fall somewhere in between, you know, where they're not as extreme as little B or, but they're not hard chargers either typically, you know, and, and not everything, you know, they don't always do the same thing every time, but you see tendencies and personality traits from one coat to the next that I think uh, relates to the wild coats too. So I think there are coats that are pretty much uncallable just because of their personality to where they're not, they're just not going to do that. They're not going to, too suspicious, too cautious, skittish, whatever. Some people would say smart. Mm-hmm. You know, whatever the deal is, those cows are going to be difficult to kill. And well uh, and if you know that coach there, let's just say it howls or you've seen it or whatever, that's where those cows are the ones that leave you frustrated. Where you go out there and you call and you know you're calling to a cow because it howled or whatever and you just never can get it killed because it, it won't commit to the call. And I think part of that is just personality of the codes. Yeah. Some of them are, some of them are, like people. Some yeah. of them are, you know, they're gonna they're gonna be the life of the party, and the other ones won't even attend. Right. So. Uh,
1: well, I mean that makes a lot of sense because you does. always you you always hear nope, there's no way you're going to kill that dog. It's been called, called well, it, to too many times. Educa- educated. It, it's educated yeah. or something. I'm like, yeah, I've seen it, but can't get him to come in. But that makes a lot of sense. You well, know, it, e- Each dog's got its own personality.
2: And that's one question I was just going to ask, Tori. I don't know how easy it is for you to be able to answer this one because I don't know how you pull this off. And You might have tried to do it, but what is, what is your opinion on educated dogs? You know, like uh, I know they're smart. I mean, I've watched my German Shepherd – um who is in the same family as a coyote basically right i mean they're all dogs canines right he puts his hand and, on a hot stove in a dog world he's not going to do it yep. again for a while yeah but
3: i was early on have you been able to like watch point. any of that oh yeah yeah absolutely uh, 100% convinced that they're one of the <laughs> they learn quicker than just about anything Mm -hmm. i believe they're one of the smartest sometimes i hate to use the word smart with animals but if you're going to use that word couch are one of the smartest animals out there and they learn educate extremely fast and and i was a skeptic of that when early on in my early calling days I didn't want to give a cow. I didn't want to give an animal that much credit. Mm-hmm. You know, these smart, I hear all these people talking about these smart cows, and, you know, they're educated and they're pressured, and, which I do believe in the pressured deal with any animal, but I didn't really believe that these cows were smart enough to learn these sounds and certain things like that, that quick to where you couldn't maybe call them with that same sound again. Now I have a completely different <laughs> belief. And it's from testing on those scouts when I first got them and first started testing sounds I would let those scouts run all the way into the call smell of the call they would hear the sound they would figure it out you know they knew it was bogus and once they got up there smelled it figured out what the deal was they'd lose interest in the course because it wasn't what they they, they didn't see what they thought they heard right and it only takes one or two times. For them coming in, if I let them figure out what a sound is, even though they're not getting shot at, even though they're not getting scared, when they figure it just, that just adds to it in a hunting scenario where you shoot that, you know, there's a negative that happens along with it, like a shot or them smelling you or something like that. That just adds to it and makes it even worse. In my case, they're just coming in and figuring out that, all right, that sound is not what I heard. And... It doesn't take them but one or two times. And then, as soon as they hear the sound, I was talking about being able to watch from their point of view. Yeah. You can play a sound that triggered them immediately. And I don't care how long you wait. You can, I've, I've tested this. You can run whatever rabbit sound and it triggers them immediately. And they run in there and they figure it out, smell the call. They know it's BS. It doesn't take long. And I don't care how long you wait. You can hit that sound again and they'll, you know, it gets their attention. They listen to it for a second and they don't trigger them. They know, they've learned that it's not real. It's, It's no different than if you, most dogs, if you whistle at them, they come there and they get petted or whatever, you know, that whistle will trigger them. But if you whistle at them and they come up there and there's a negative response to it, you know, you kick them or whatever it doesn't take that <laughs> one or two times and he's not coming you know he knows they figure that out and they remember it it doesn't matter if you wait two or three days or a year they remember it and the cows are the same way i've had them do other stuff for example we feed them a lot of scrap meat my wife will pick up you know stuff that's about to spoil about to go out of date coach get it. I try to supplement them with a lot of that stuff. Mm -hmm. And I always usually I would have it in a bucket and they were familiar with the bucket and all that kind of stuff. I went down there one day with it in the that cellophane wrapper and that noise. One time it scared them. And they didn't know what it was, but it was a they they viewed it as a negative, scary deal. And it took Even though I didn't go back with that, that one incident took several days after to get over because they were anticipating that noise again, even though it only happened one time. And I picked up on that. I can change, like when I'm videoing, I can change tripods or change something about my setup. And I'm using that for an example because I did that. I changed tripods, got a new tripod. I don't know if it was the smell, the look of it, because it was a, a little different. You know, there were things about it that were different that I didn't think that they would pick up on, but there was something about that. It was probably the smell more than anything, but I had trouble videoing them, and so I had to leave that tripod sitting in the woods down there for them to check out, And you know, hmm. while I was, wasn't around before I could start getting the same kind of footage with new equipment, and so... Those are some examples and a pile more that changed my mind about how fast cows educate. I mean, they are.
2: That's that's kind of disheartening. not only do they ed- educate, <laughs> but they do it extremely I was kind of hoping. Oh, I was kind of hoping Tori's like, no, they're dumb as fuck, man. Like, <laughs> just do whatever you want.
1: <laughs> do you do you find like out in the hunting world? I'm sure you know you hit certain places numerous times throughout the year or whatever the case may be. Do you think a dog? are they more likely to come in if they've been shot at or if they've been smelled, if they smelled you? Like, is there one that's worse than the other? Like, if I know if a coyote smells me, it, I got to give it this amount of time before I even try. Or, on the other side, if I shot at it, am I ever going to be able to call that dog in again? Have you ever had anything we, we like that? we have an
2: internal debate. Yeah, but- I think it's actually worse to be smelled than it is to shoot at them. That's just me. That's my personal opinion of it. Is I feel like if they smell you, they they know what happened. If you shoot at them, they hadn't quite put the puzzle together, and they might just think, "What the hell just happened?" But you know, so I always always thought it'd be better to you know miss a shot than it would be to get busted. But that's just
3: yeah, I I think you're right about that. I think if they if they usually if they smell you, it's over with. I've seen instances where a cow gets shot at. They don't know what's happened. Maybe they run off. Call them back in, uh, stuff like that. As far as, you know, when I was talking about how fast they educate, I'm not saying that you can't go back and call up coats and or even use the same sounds and call them back up. I think when you're in that that hunting situation, you know how much they're they educate and they're pretty smart and all that, but I don't know to what degree they're able to tie everything together that's going on. So they're running in and they're listening to a sound, but they don't get to come all the way in this situation I'm describing. They're coming all the way to the sound, figuring out the sound, smelling the call, listening to it at a few feet, figuring out that that sound is bogus in a hunting situation. I think maybe you're, you're, you're able to get by with messing up and them not necessarily associated with the sound because How many times are coyotes out there doing their thing and they run across a human in the woods or something that scares them or throws off whatever's going on that they may not tie the two together. So I think sometimes when we're hunting, a good thing uh, is that even though they educate really quick, I don't know how it may take a few times before they associate, all right, well, I was coming into this, this sound that triggered me. And then here's this dumbass sitting over here messing things up. You know, I smell him. He shoots at me. Whatever. Of, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I don't know that they necessarily tie the put two those things two together things together.
2: That makes sense, right? Yeah. Then now they, they could just it be like, "Oh, that, that farmer again. ruined that rabbit for me because he's right. over there." Yeah.
3: Yeah. If it happens over and over again, you know, with pressured goats, to where you go to. You go to this farm and you call these coats in, and you screwed it up, and they get away. I think you can go back again and maybe call them up, uh, possibly using the same sounds. But if, if that happens over and over again, whether it be by the same person or if there's m- multiple people hunting the area, and there's a coat that is that gets called up a handful of times and doesn't get killed, then that coat probably starts. I mean, if it happens numerous times and he's coming into a sound. And he just keeps having a negative something happen.
2: He's gonna stop. That, coming that's to when
3: that. I think you start getting into what what you hear a lot of people calling pressured coats or educated coats to where they've just been burned. They've they've had their ears burned multiple times to certain sounds or just sounds in general, and then it makes them hard to call.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. It reminds me of the the one from this year you and me were night hunting. Uh, I did the meme of that song. You ruined everything. Oh yeah, we we, we called, called it in, in a triple. They got
1: they got within <laughs> twenty 20, <laughs> twenty yards, twenty yards, and missed all of them. But uh, <laughs> we didn't even get it. That was towards the end of the season. We didn't get to go back after which them, which I think is a good thing because yeah. they haven't been touched
2: since then. And you know, hopefully, got pups on the ground and they get territorial with it, and we can we can handle business. Chase after them the in a week or yeah. so. But uh, yeah. Um, I don't know. It's just it's super cool. I mean, it, it's interesting. So, like, if if I walked out in the woods with you, them coyotes would have an issue with it. Like you, oh, yeah. you and they your wife, you and your wife are their alphas or whatever you want to call it, or maybe you're not even. But they have a comfort level with you that they know your scent. They know who you are. Obviously, they'll let you touch them in some instances where you were just. I uh, can't remember the one you again this morning that you were holding, but I mean the picture it made me think of just your dog chilling with you. You know, I mean, she didn't seem to have any issue with you being right there. And, um, right. but if I was and standing near you, that would not happen.
3: Right. That's they it. act just like, they act just like wild goats to strangers. Mm-hmm. Uh, if they smell you, I made the mistake. I had a couple buddies that wanted to look at them. This was with that first batch we talked about and they're all over. My wife and I we walked down there with a couple buddies and, I howl and they come running in just like normal and they get, and all of a sudden they, I think they smelled him and they're gone. And then it took two or three days when I would howl them back up. They're standing out there, you know, head bobbing and doing that stuff that cows do because they're anticipating, you know, that strange smell or person or whatever they were thinking. They're anticipating that being there. And so it took a few days, and after that, I, I knew better than to make that mistake again. That's that's crazy, but, and, and that goes back to the personality deal too. And pecking order, the more dominant couts seem to be more. They're they're easier to handle. They're more. They, for one, they try to keep the other ones run out. They're jealous, or you know, kind of like dogs would be, but. And then some of them just have that personality from the time they're little all the way through to where they're more standoffish, skittish. I've got some that I I can record all of them at really close range, you know, just a few feet. But there are some that don't want to be handled or touched. You know, they, they'll they eat right beside you. Occasionally I might be able to touch them on the nose. Uh, and then there are other ones that will jump all over. You know, they'll jump, might catch them in the air or, you know, and then some of them are more standoffish with me than they are my wife and vice versa. And it's, that's just a personality deal with them. So it depends on the couch. Some of them are, are more just like, just like kids. Pain, if that's what you want to call it. Yeah. Uh, some of them are more accepting of us than, than other ones. That's interesting. But, uh, so- and as they age, as they age, some of them tend to get a little less, friendly and not not in an aggressive way i've never had one trying to bite me or show any aggression at all um they play and they play really rough they'll bloody you up you know they're not like a dog when they jump up on you and they bite nip and scratch they break the hide you know about like getting scratched by a briar or something mm-hmm. but uh they uh as they age a lot of times they get to where they. May not want to be handled as much. May not want you to pick them up. Um, stuff like that. It,
2: it like being like and a cranky old change. man.
3: <laughs> yeah, it's like the old yeah.
2: man on his porch. Get off my porch or yeah. get out my off my lawn. <laughs> right. You know, as they get older, right. they get
1: cranky. That yeah, makes sense. Like what? What's considered an uh, an old coyote? Do you have any of your
2: rituals think- left?
1: Are Roe Boone yeah. Smack? Are they still alive?
3: Yeah, 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 and, and that litter is. I mean, when I say we spent time with them, we spent the majority of our time daylight, you know, and night, day and night. We spent the majority of our time with those cows for that first year plus. And so they are, they're different, a little different than some of the other ones that I've raised just because that time spent and they are still around. Rue is one of the, I mean, she's, she gets all over. Uh, just likes the attention, the affection they're they're anxious to you know to meet and greet and but some of the other ones, I don't expect them but some of them have you know, like I said earlier, some of them will stay around usually about a year almost like that family bust up time frame mm-hmm. when they start when they start busting up some of them just you know leave or I see them, you know, on occasion, I may see them in one of the cow pastures or something, uh, but it's the original group is still around, and That's it's cool. because of the amount of time invested in them. That's,
2: That's awesome. pretty cool. I just, like I said, I, that was one of the biggest things I was excited to talk to Tori about. Was, I mean, you don't know anybody that can stand with a coyote, right? You know, I mean, truth be told, I'm jealous as hell. Have you ever, like, have you ever thought just for a second? About like if you got a a baby baby just going you know I could just turn this into my my pet.
1: <laughs>
2: I know it wouldn't it like. wouldn't go very well, and I think it's illegal. I don't know, but probably so. you know like I'm no, just. No, gonna... it's, it's
3: actually it's actually legal here. You can have up no, to six go. as pets. I don't know how you know, Missouri is or
1: pets. or what, but yeah, I don't know if Missouri.
2: Certain
3: is... states have different ones. People ask me about that all the time. Yeah, we can have we can have up to six. Uh, it used to be everything. Deer. They've taken deer off of that because of CWD, and I think maybe skunks or something. But we can have fox, bobcat, cow, possum, coon, multiple different animals as long as you, as long as you take them by hand from the wild. You can't raise them. You can't meaning breed them. Breed them. You can't breed yeah. them, Right. You can't cross state lines with them or anything like that. No permits or anything like that required. A lot of states, it's legal if you have the right paperwork. I just happen to live in one of those states that, uh, luckily, doesn't don't take know, away all your carbon. rights.
2: That's cool,
1: <laughs>
3: yeah. right? Yeah, but even and and because because of the six deal, you know, I said we have we've been some before. We've done all of that different stuff, and going back to what you mentioned, yes, initially, I was thinking, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna turn one of these into my sidekick goat pit, right. They are terrible pets, not obedient. You know, they're rough. Yeah, you know, people hit me up all the time. Man, I i would love to have, have one as a pet. No, and you there don't. are some people. If you took one single one, you could have it as sort of a pet, but they're not like a dog. Where they're obedient, they're not. You're not going to train them to not shit in your house or you know tear your stuff up, any of that. My kill wife, your cat. My wife would be you out. Know, <laughs> yeah, all of that. They're they're gonna be they're gonna be a pain, you know. You're gonna want to put a bullet in his head more than likely. Yeah. Uh, before it's all over with, and the way you know with with the way the laws are, that's part of the reason that that I do the free range deal too, is because even though I can have six, I want to record more. So as long as I don't as long as I don't ever put them in captivity, and I just befriend these wild cow pups in the wild, I'm legal. That's cool. So that's, that's part of it too. And I fool with enough of them that I can afford to, you know, if one of them runs off, usually I've got the bulk of the sounds by the time that happens anyway. So if they make it to a year old and I get from the time they're pups up until they're adults and howling, and then they leave, I'm sometimes I'm almost glad that they leave just because, I'm done with them, you know, I've got, I've got what I need off of them and, you know, something, I don't get attached to them. Like a lot of people get attached to animals. Uh, It's just kind of the way I was raised. You know, we always had hunting dogs and stuff and I liked my dogs and, you know, liked the different animals, livestock. We always had a pile of animals of all kinds and even as a kid you know i would get i guess you could call it attached but they were still i always made that separation between this is an animal it's not part of my family you know that yeah i don't look at them that way and so some people get really really attached to their animals and you know my wife my wife gets really attached
2: well and uh, that was my last I keep that separation that, and that's good. I mean, that was actually going to be my last question before we moved on into, uh, call. you know, like summer calling. But we talked about it a little before recording. That's that's me, but for one animal, and that's a dog. Right. Every dog, you know, like my dog, my German Shepherd, he just passed away a couple months ago. Ask Micah. It was like I lost a kid, man. Yeah, I mean, it was, was the worst nice. damn day of my life. There was a lot of crying involved. Yes. A, but yeah. cats, you name it, I could – I'm I'm not be, I'm not cruel, but I could give a right. shit about a cat. I, I don't right. care about, yes. you know, but you know, a coyote obviously looks a lot like a dog. Um and yeah. especially a German Shepherd, so that you know when I see a coyote, I think kind of of that type of animal. And one of those questions I was going to ask you was, how did you like draw figure out how to kind of separate from your coyotes when you go out coyote hunting and you know, you're like, "Hey, I was just pet- petting one of you earlier today, but I'm going to shoot this one in the face. Like, how did you make that separation? And uh, that's it, a good way was to put really, it.
3: It was really easy for me. From day one, when I got those pups, they were a tool. They were. I wanted them so that I could get – my primary goal was to get sounds and learn about them so that I could kill a pile of them. You know, that's, that's what I wanted them for. And that's what they still are to me. You know, I people ask me all the time, "Like, right, man, does that make it hard for you to to shoot cows now that you raise these cows and you know you've got these pet cows?" Well, I don't look at them as pets. I look at them as, you know, I, I like them. I enjoy them. They'll they'll live fat and happy until whatever happens to them naturally. Um, but I'm not attached to them in in a way that they're anything other than a tool to me. And yeah. I. Not only that, I enjoy being able to take those sounds and everything that I've learned from them and apply that to my hunting. And, you know, I get a lot of satisfaction and it's it's very rewarding when I record these coats and then I use their sounds to call up another one and it works and I kill it. And what's even better than that is seeing so many other people take these sounds and go out there and kill a lot of coats. That's that's what
2: yeah that's I mean, pretty I, cool
3: that, 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 that's good stuff for me that's rewarding and uh that's where i get the satisfaction from from doing all of this so I, i've never now my wife on the other hand she used to hunt you know hunt with me year round summertime but now she doesn't really care to because she's raised them and she's bottle fed them and you know that whole deal she's not as apt to hunt them when they're little and stuff like that you know she doesn't want to yeah. she kind of does make that connection because she gets attached very attached to all her animals you know it's right. a yeah it's a sad day when something happens to them and me i'm just you know that tell, mother,
2: I'm mother, I'm mother, you, motherly you know, instinct i'm gonna tell you, you know? right now if, <laughs> I, if i bottle fed a buck phone and that little fucker turned into 180 inches
1: <laughs> it'd be hard for he, you to he did <laughs> no yeah. it wouldn't I, be hard for me i did t- I guarantee you, you wouldn't be able to. Do that. I, don't, do
2: you, I, do you, I don't. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe I wouldn't, no. but uh, that's that's. I mean, well, honestly, you think about it, it's a symbiotic relationship. You're using them, and they're using you for the same, you know, same type of. Yeah. Yeah. They I get mean, some they benefits. Get, they get free food. They're yeah. getting fed. That you know, they're a wild animal that's got an easier go of it because this guy is is helping us out whereas yeah. you're you're getting something out of it as well. So, I mean, it's kind of a, you know, a symbiotic relationship in that sense. Um,
3: yeah, and I I know that they're not my friend. I know they don't care about me. I know that they don't love me. But I, I'll have people, you know, talk about that, and they'll say all the, you know, these animals love you and care. That's bull. That's BS. <laughs> they're, they want, a, they they're want just, food. They're just trying to eat. <laughs> and under the right circumstances, they would eat me. Right. So, you know. If one of them acted a certain way or done, you know, tried to attack me, bite me, shown aggression to me, I would have no trouble. I would have no trouble taking it out with my bare hands. Uh, I dropped that sucker. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You know, I just, they're just a tool to me. Yeah, I got
1: you. Well, speaking of tools, I mean, y'all are probably, you know, 24 hours, 365, y'all can k- kill coyotes. We have a small portion to where we can't hunt coyotes during turkey season unless it's with turkey methods, meaning a shotgun or something like that. So we're getting amped up starting the 8th. We're going to be able to go out and start calling in coyotes again. It's early. It's obviously early season. Pups are starting to hit the ground and come up, You know, as you were talking about earlier. What are some things that uh, we should really key in on? key in on this time of year this is one of my favorite times to
2: hunt honestly now is right especially after finding permethrin i don't worry about ticks as much anymore um and we like to go out and hunt summer coyotes before the you know the the grass gets too crazy and then especially after that like that first hay cut when the grass is right. short again um this is getting to be one of my favorite times to hunt them but you know summer coyotes are going to be different than you know fall middle yeah. winter coyotes what uh, what's some of the right. favorite things you like to do when you're when you're going after these dogs about this time of year?
3: once those pups start getting out of the ground which we're getting about to that time to where the first one some of them are already out of ground mm-hmm. out of the ground the earliest born and so over the next you know couple of months that's what we'll be into and I kind of call that the pup rearing time frame and that's when things get vocal so primarily howls and pup distress. Those are going to be the, the go-to type sounds. Lone howls, family group howls, pup distresses. Uh, killed. Probably the majority of the coyotes will be killed off of those sounds. Prey sounds still work. You could use prey sounds, but those coats are so territorial then with those family groups and that pup rearing time frame that I like to save the prey distress sounds, or at least the bulk of them, for those fall-winter time frames so that you're not burning your ground with your prey distress sounds, especially when pup distresses and howls work so good. And those little pup distress sounds like your – or really just any of them, but especially your littler pup distress sounds, they're serving a dual purpose because they're not only, you know, an, an instinctual trigger from the, you know, triggering the parents, but they're also a prey distress sound. For other cows, you know, they'll come in to kill and eat those pups. So you're getting a dual, you know, a a dual purpose deal running pup distress sounds. And then those howls, a lot of times, will get those cows to vocalize, give away their location. So you move in close to them. A lot of times, they will come in on howls only. The whole, everything, the pups and the adults will come in on the howls. And if they don't show up on those howls, a little bit of pup distress when you're close enough to them. That's the key to this time of. The year is distance because they are, you know, a, a lot of your cows, especially your vocal couch, are going to be pup rearing. And they have a, you know, they've got their main overall territory, and then they have that pup rearing area, which is kind of like a playpen. So it's a smaller core area mm-hmm. that those pups stay in. And the adults kind of work around that as satellites. So they'll leave those pups in a certain area. And if you go out and lo- I do a lot of locating, I'm big on locating, especially this time of the year. Because you can locate anytime from now through pretty much August. And those coats, unless something moves them, they will typically stay pretty much in that area. So if you hear that family group or you hear if you hear two or more coats, a pair or especially if you hear the pups mixed in, then that area should hold good until you know august or maybe even into september depending on how old uh, those pups are and when the family bust up starts taking a lot of people call it pup dispersal i don't like to call it pup dispersal because something else i learned about cows is if you read about it it gives the impression that fall hits and these pups disperse and they go off and travel you know miles away looking for a new home and that's not necessarily true matter of fact it's that's rarely the case. A lot of times those, the family group will bust up to where they're not together all the time, but that group of coyotes is still in the same area. And mm. some of them will stay in that same area for, you know, up to a couple of years or so before they actually branch out. I noticed,
2: so, I noticed that on one of the videos I was watching a years today, uh, y'all killed a, a, a black one. Um, yeah, A black coyote uh, about a month ago, I think it was on your YouTube And that's the first thing I noticed. And I've seen you do that before, but then I forget. And then I watch again and I'm like, Oh, okay. Tori's locating before they go hunt. So, you know, like us, we get out of our truck and we're like, listen, we're going to go make our set over here. This is where we're going to set up. But in your situation, you guys, it looked like you got out of your truck, put the call on the air and located. And, uh, I mean, it ended up working out to where you also killed him right there in that same spot. It appears, but right. Yeah. So you're you're locating, not really worrying about getting them to come in at this time of year. You're just trying to say, okay, that's where they're at, and you'll make a move right then and there if they reply 800 yards away, let's say, and on the farm or somewhere in the area that you you have permission on. You'll move in and then make your set. A lot yeah, of times, yeah. I
3: mean. The- the way that I usually go about locating this time of year is I'll about sunset or, you know, roughly sunset, I'll get in the truck and I'll start riding my hunting areas and I hunt a pile of public ground. I've got a lot of, so I've got a lot of ground that I can cover. So I'll just take several nights, you know, ahead of time. I may not even hunt those coats for, you know, several days or even weeks sometimes. And I'll just ride around and I'll start marking, groups of goats. I don't mark singles because if I hear a single howl, I typically don't mark it this time of the year unless it's right before daylight and then I will hunt it as soon as it gets daylight if it's a single. But typically I'm looking for groups of goats and I'll mark those goats with intentions of hunting them sometime between now and August usually. So I'll ride around when I hear them howl, I'll take my map out and drop a pin on where I think those cows are at. And then when I get ready to come back and hunt, you know, let's just say it's going to be the next morning and I've located four or five groups. Then at daylight, I will start hunting through those cows. Now, if I was night hunting, then if I located them, I would make my move right then. You know, I would go ahead and and start taking those cows out right then. So it's just kind of, you know, whatever the situation is. And then, on the video that you mentioned, that was kind of a unique deal where we had a call on coats messing with cows. Mm-hmm. It was a really big area, gigantic fields. They heard the cows mm-hmm. on one side sometimes, other side other times. Of course, we've got wind direction to deal with, you know, multiple factors coming into play. So when we pulled up there at daylight, I was expecting those cows to be, you know, on one side or the other more than likely just so happened they were in a draw out in the middle of the field, not too far from us. And occasionally we locate you, you know, you end up right on top of the couch, but it's rare. And so in that situation, when we howled, instead of them answering back, they just came to us because they were already pretty close. But sometimes I would use locating right at daylight when I'm planning on making a, a stand on a farm or an area and I don't necessarily know where the coats are and I want to get a location on them for one. So I know what, you know, how I want to set up with the wind and stuff like that. And what kind of, you know, what kind of move I want to make. Yeah. Uh, especially when it's a new area where I don't know, you know, some of these places you hunt a handful of times, you kind of know, like probably some of y'all's farms, y'all have hunted them enough to know, right. The coats are typically over here. They're typically in this drawer. You kind of know going in to where you can go blind call those areas you know it usually holds couch you don't necessarily need to locate but a lot of times when the my cow population is pretty sporadic so i'll have little pockets here and little pockets there and then i i hunt a lot of new ground that i've never been to before so i like to uh i like to just kind of get an idea of where the cows are at you know you pull up at a spot this side or south side of the road may look good and have eye appeal. And if I was going to make a blind stand, that's probably where I'd go. But there's been a lot of times where what looked good, wasn't good. And i locate and I'll figure out, all right, well, the coats are not where I think they should be just by looking at the map or looking at the terrain. They're actually over here in this little patch of bull crap. And in order to hunt them, we're going to have to go around to the other road to Get the win right or whatever, right. and so I use locate for multiple reasons. That being one of them, and then because I've got well and anywhere, even if it's even if it's in more populated areas, I don't like to set out and call unless I know I'm calling to a cow. So I'll, I'll go out and locate and put all this stuff together so, to up my odds. So when I set out, if I make if I make five stands that morning. There's a guarantee. I may mean, not call up a code on all five stands. I still have some blanks, but I have really high call up rates when I know where those cows are at, um, and can go in there and set up with that in mind and have as much in my favor as possible. You know, when I make the stand,
2: man, that's a hell of an idea. So, you basically, uh, if you had a new property, a lot of times you'd go out. Let's say you're planning on hunting tomorrow morning. Tonight, you would have went out, located them in theory they'd be coming out of their dens for the evening you know getting up going around moving around and then the next morning if you were going back to hunt them in theory they would be around that area again back to kind of den back up for the the day
3: yeah typically what you'd be looking for this time of year what the couch are, are doing you know so those pups will once they come out of the den this time of the year, they're probably still right there around the den, and she's probably feeding them about twice a day outside the den. And so, like I said a while ago, a lot of times your your pups are going to be whether they're still in the den, and then once they get, you know, they get four, five, six weeks old, they start spending less and less time, and then they completely abandon the den. So by the time they're, you know, seven, eight weeks old, they start sleeping on top of the ground and just hiding and whatever cover there is, just like the adults do. And the adults, a lot of times, are going to be, they won't be right there with those pups. They come and go checking in, regurgitating food, feeding the pups, and kind of working their way around that, I call it the playpen area. You'll hear it called rendezvous areas, you know, stuff like that. But that pup rearing area, that little core area. So when you go out and locate, what I'm listening for is the pups. And because those pups are going to be a pin that I can rely on. Sometimes you'll hear those pups here and those adults, you may hear some adults sound off and they're two, 300 yards away. And so I also, I don't pay that much attention to where those adults howl at. I want to know where those pups are. And then I can, I can target those adults if I want to target the adults. So some people don't want to shoot the pups. Some people want to kill them all. It just depends on what and I this is something that I learned from hunting and then also watching the the coats and learning that you know where those adults spend their time in relation to the pups, especially after the pups get a little size on. So you can take those pup rearing areas, use that as your pen and know that those adults are probably working a perimeter around that. And a lot of times when you go in there to set up, the adults are not with the pups. They're outside that. So if you want to target the pups and possibly call the pups and the adults, you can move right in there on those pups and set up close to them. And then when you start calling, a lot of times those pups are going to run over you right off the bat, but you can still call the adults in. If you want to target the adults first, then I would stay back, you know, three from wherever I've got those pups marked at. Something I've started doing in the last couple of years, I'll stay back away from those pups three, 400 yards, those pups are probably not going to come that distance to you. Mm-hmm. So you can set up and call, but you're still plenty close enough to be, to trigger everything with those adults, your howls, your pup distresses. You're still tight enough in on those pups to potentially avoid calling the those, but call those adults up with the howls and the pup distresses. And then if you want to, you can move on in tighter, and get those pups, too. So it's just uh, just whatever you're wanting to do with whether you want to kill the pups or not.
2: I um, would shoot the shit out of a pup. <laughs> no, right now, yeah. I'm just saying. You kill a little 5-pound, 10-pound pup, do you get it full body mounted? No. Yes. <laughs> I don't think so. That would be awesome. I don't know how good the, the, the coat is on a little pup at this time. They're but... probably
1: pretty thin would be
2: my guess.
3: <laughs> And as far as prey distress stuff, fond distress, especially when you hit that June time frame. Right.
1: Because I think, yeah.
3: Well, I think they have a built in instinctual trigger where they know certain things that are going to take place, just like bear will wait on a salmon run before the fish even get there. The bear are already there because it, they instinctively know that it's coming. Yeah. I think coats do the same thing with. Ponds hitting the ground they know it's coming they're ready for it and they really key on that for that period of time that that the ponds are little and so fawn distress is something that i will i primarily use the howls and the pup distresses and i'll mix fawn distress in for a prey distress and then as you move a little deeper into, and i also run multiple pup distress sounds so i'll start with young pups little bitty ones like newborn, and they're not really even in distress. They're more hungry pups, where they're just whimpering and whining in the den, hungry, ready to be fed. Then you can move on up. I've got all my sounds in age classes, you know, one week, two week, three week, all the way up to about 16 weeks. And then I start gapping them out because their voice, in those early weeks, their voice changes a lot. (laughs) Once they get about 16 weeks old, they kind of – it doesn't change as much, so I taper off on recording them as often. But I'll usually play – and I don't play sounds very long either, you know, three, four minutes, something somewhere in there. And I that's also from learning about the cows and how they trigger. Couchs cover a lot of ground typically when they trigger. So in, in if you play a sound three or four minutes, a cow can cover, you know, half a mile plus easily in that time frame if they're gonna trigger on that sound. And if you just keep letting that sound play for eight, 10, 12 minutes, the same sound, typically, I mean, you'll have some cows show up late to the same sound here and there, but more often than not, it's it's a sound that doesn't trigger them very well. And you're just burning their ears with that sound. Right. You're just wearing them out with it. So I'll play a pup distress. I'll pick a, you know, one of those got milk, newborn type sound, birthday pups, something like that, run it for two, three, four minutes tops. And then I'll jump two or three weeks, you know, so go from that newborn to like a three or a four week, play it a couple minutes and then jump from that to a six, eight week. And then, you know, it's I may mix it. that fond distress in there for three or four minutes. And if you hadn't called something up by then, especially if you know your own couch, you've heard them or you've located them or whatever, then I'll move into those pup fights and then, I'll end with adult fights. So I'll typically play a couple of pup fights of different age classes or different types. And then I'll play some adult fights of different types. And you also have different type fight sounds that trigger for different reasons. So you've got pecking order fights, you've got food fights. This is something else that I've never heard touched on and I didn't pick up on it until I started watching codes triggering to different sounds. And then I could even hear why those fights were different. So you've got the pecking order fights and you've got the food fights and you've got the breeding fights and then you've got all of those sounds relate with the exception of the breeding. You've got the, the pecking order pup stuff. You've got the food fights associated with pups and then you have those associated with adult coats and mix the breeding stuff in with adult cows too. So those are multiple different triggers that, you know, a lot of people overlook, they'll say, well, I'm going to end with a fight. And so they'll pick one fight, maybe a pup fight, maybe an adult fight, might be a food fight, a breed fight, whatever. They'll pick one fight and that's what they play. And it may not trigger them where, let's just say they picked a, a pecking order pup fight and it didn't trigger them. An adult food fight could have pulled those cows right on top of it. So you just never know what they, what they want to hear. But when I'm running a, a sequence any time of the year, I'm going to incorporate multiple sounds that might trigger them for different reasons. But for the summertime, calling, it's going to be, it's typically going to be uh pub house and adult house. Then I'll do a family group out. Then I'll do some type of social interaction sound, which is, you know, like the little wrestling matches and stuff when they come back together. And then I'll go into those, uh, you know, multiple different pup sounds mix the pond distress in there then two or three different pup fights two or three different adult fights that are happening for different reasons and i guarantee you if, you if people will if people will structure their sequences that way they will kill a lot of cows they, they just if they're if they're calling two cows and they structure their sequence to where they're hitting all of those different types of sounds, they will kill more coals.
2: That, uh, that, that hand gesture I just made was me going, noted. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> check, check. Uh, one hour, yeah. 27 minutes, I will remember that. Uh, no doubt. Well, speaking of fawn and distress, um, Micah and I actually share the same birthday, and we, it's, it's, it's at the end of May. And the last two or yep. three years, him and I have went up north. We call it up north, uh, northern part of Missouri, and uh, we go coyote hunting together. We we, go, we stay up there overnight on a Friday, and then we hunt all day on a Saturday. And last year – was it last year? Yeah. We were uh, – we actually bumped two coyotes on the way into our set. So, we picked the right spot, just a little too good, and they took off. So, we, we ended up still sitting, and we're like, well, you know – all they did was see us. They just could have thought we were farmers. I mean, you know, who knows? Well, we get through the, the calling sequence, and I, I did fawn in distress. And how far do you think those deer were away? 1,000 yards at least? They're 800 to 1,000 yards. We had five or six, I eh, don't know, three or four yeah. does 800 to 1,000 yards away. And we could see them because it's one big, giant open field. And those does sprinted all the way to our call
1: they got up and sniffed the call the they came day. all the way to the yeah. call
2: trying to figure out whose fawn was in trouble i- i'm assuming yes. uh i mean no coyotes come but four deer did yeah four, <laughs> four grown-ass does but i mean i thought we thought it was coyotes at first they were running so all hard they, and uh those deer
3: crazy aggressive that time of the year yeah
2: mm-hmm. no they and they they were definitely coming to like they were being protective being protective sure. of that fawn but uh that was one of the cooler things I had seen, but that, that's some great tips for summer stuff. We're going to be out, like Micah said, pretty soon, um, hoping to to see some cool stuff this year. I don't know if we're going to get to go, by yeah, the way. Yeah, I don't know if we're going to go or not. I know I can't go that week. I can't either, but we'll, uh, well. we'll figure it out. Yeah, But, um, <laughs> Tori, man, um, we would love – I mean, we'd love to keep talking to you, but we've already used an hour and a half of your time. Um, before we hop off here – why don't you talk about uh, how people can uh, get a hold of MFK Game Calls, follow you, and then uh, get some of your stuff that you uh, you sell?
3: Pretty much everything is going to be under MFK Game Calls. That's YouTube, Facebook, Instagram. I think I uh, uh, got a buddy out of Kentucky helping me out with some social media. I think he started us a TikTok account today, so <laughs> that will be under MFK Game Calls as well. Is that,
2: is that buddy uh, out of Kentucky happened to be John Collins? Is that who you're talking about?
3: <laughs> now it's actually case covington who okay. is buddies with yeah me. i know okay case. Uh, yeah, yeah he's he's doing some stuff with us now and uh he's uh he's a little younger so he's getting me hooked up with all the instagram tick and all that kind of stuff so yeah but all of that is will be under mfk game calls and then of course my personal stuff's under my name tory cook so just uh Check them out. MFKGameCalls.com if they want to order stuff from the website and all the social media stuff, YouTube, MFK Game Calls.
2: And might I add, Micah and I, we've talked about this before, we're big fans of logos. So, like, some of the companies we work with or even companies we don't work with, I'm like, that's a badass logo. That logo sucks. You got (laughs) one of the coolest logos out there, just so you know. Your MFK logo is pretty badass. Um, so whenever I get that X48, that. I also be getting a hat along with it. Oh yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, man, I just wanted to congratulate you on whoever designed that logo because it's well done.
3: I hand drew that. No, really? shit. I hand drew that logo in uh, several years ago, early on. Yeah. Well done. And I'm not appreciate it. Yeah, it's. Uh, I didn't want to go with the clip art type stuff, and yeah. So anyway, I, don't
2: even don't even get uh, me started on logos. We went it's just uh i mean we've got two different logos now we've got a whitetail logo and a coyote logo and though the coyote logo is loosely based on what a buddy of ours drew for us and then we had micah's right. cousin actually is a graphic designer and he kind of took it and tried to make it related to our our deer and it was i'm like i don't know I've, you're, you're never happy with what you got you know what i'm saying like after you get done yeah. you're like man i wish it would look more like that one or this one but yours is uh is interesting and we like it, man. But, uh, Tory cook oh, with MFK game calls. We appreciate your time tonight and, uh, look forward to talking with you again, man.
3: Oh yeah. Enjoyed it. Appreciate y'all having me out.
2: All right, man. We'll see you.
3: See you.